0: Hello, my name is Declan Deneen. Welcome to Checkpoints. This is a show about video games, the people who play them and the people who make them. Each episode of guest on the show talks about the games that have shaped their life in one way or another. Games that have inspired them, games that have forged connections, and games that have soothed wounds. Today's guest is Tom Bramwell. Tom spent many years working for Eurogamer, a number of them uh, as an editor. He actually started like super young. His his story is insane. Like he had this kind of teenage fantasy life of, you know, getting paid a bunch of money to talk about video games from a very young age. Uh, He since worked at Riot Games, um, creators of League of Legends, as their, their head of writing. Uh, it's currently just you know in between jobs. I imagine playing a lot of of destiny and hanging out with his family. Um, it's a really good chat. I really just I hit it off with Tom very well and it's a very kind of relaxed and uh, meandering chat, but I, I really thoroughly uh, enjoyed it. And also we've got very different, not very different but different enough tastes uh, in music that in music, in in video games that uh, we talk about stuff that I don't usually talk about, like like FIFA, for instance uh you know i was thinking the other night i was sat thinking about fifa as i was editing this episode and i realized it's been 20 years since i last played a fifa game 20 years that fifa 96 on the mega drive was the last version i played um and that, that just seems insane to me it seems like such an absurd number how can there have been a fifa game 20 years ago <sighs> um some some lovely uh, news over the past couple of days i want to offer my congratulations to a number of people uh firstly previous guests of the show Rami and Adriel um got engaged and not only did they get engaged but Adriel proposed via Destiny which if you if you listen to either or both of their episodes you realize that they, they play together all the time you know that is like they're in the same way people have a song they have a game um and some wonderful people at, at Bungie custom made uh, uh an emotes for Adriel to to propose and they, they made a a ring item that she could give to Rami and and a letter, and oh, it's just beautiful, I and mean, I'm sure if you listen to this, you've already heard about this story, but if not, yeah go and read up about it it's it's such a lovely thing, so huge congratulations to to both of those. I Also want to offer my congratulations to Craig and Andrew um they, they're not getting married, but uh they recently uh created and ran the latest games off for everyone at the caves in Edinburgh. I was there on Thursday, and it was so good, like it was a really fun evening really. Like, uh, you, you don't get to experience video games in such interesting settings very often. Like, they had this whole altar set up for devil daggers with, like, candles all around it in this cave. It was, it was so good. And there will be an episode all about it. I was hoping to get it done for today, but there's a few little interviews I want to pick up. So I'll probably get to that, hopefully for next week. But, you know, expect one uh, soon. If you'd like to get in touch, as always, you can email the show. It's checkpointspodcast at gmail.com or it's at checkpoint show on Twitter or it's Checkpoints Podcast on Facebook. It's very important to have consistent branding. Um, I'm still looking to speak to kind of relatively new devs or devs just starting on on their their careers and just making their first game. I'm looking to put together a a kind of a, an episode full of these kind of new beginning stories and, you know, some of the the joys and perils of uh, beginning to create a video game Uh, so do get in touch if if you'd like to to chat on on any of those channels if you enjoy the show uh, please do tweet about it facebook it tell a friend it's all hugely appreciated helps the the audience to grow and if you really like the show we have a patreon page it's patreon.com forward slash checkpoints uh really huge thanks to everyone who's supported the show so far i got another donation this week and honestly it's it's very very much uh, appreciated um yeah just it's lovely and uh, i hope the show can continue to live up to your high expectations i've got some really good guests coming up so i'm pretty sure that it will including today's so uh okay i'm going to stop talking for a bit i'll be back next week with a new episode possibly the games are forever an episode otherwise a new guest let's get on with the show You're showing off,
1: you know, you've got a new phone.
0: (laughs) I want people to know all these cool ringtones.
1: I I wonder if it's possible to trace the point, because do you remember that the classic was the the, the Nokia ringtone? Oh, of course, yeah. Um, And then uh, at a certain point, and I think maybe what I'm curious about is when they changed that, they sort of made it more, kind of more musical, because obviously the um, audio processors in phones became slightly better than a pocket calculator at some point. Yeah. Um, Whether that coincided with the start of Nokia's decline...
0: That is a good question, actually. I wonder if that is the case.
1: That's the sort of thing that could um, could definitely sustain a late night internet session, I'm trying to figure out <laughs> what the exact timings were.
0: It's also it's the perfect kind of um, opening to like a comeback story, you know, like like <laughs> yeah. like Steve Jobs, two thousand seven Apple keynote with the iPhone and stuff. This is Nokia's comeback, and it opens with that, and everyone's yeah. like, "Yes, just,
1: just the classic <laughs> ringtone." That nostalgia yeah. hit
0: comes over everyone, It's like, "Oh my god." <laughs> Back like when we're when we're all so sick of uh, you know constant online social networks and notifications, yeah. so like right, let's get rid of all that. Let's go back phone.
1: to yeah, just go back to the classic. What was the what was um, uh, your favorite Nokia phone? Um, I can't remember. Was it a thirty two ten? Which was twenty
0: two ten was like yeah, the standard one, right?
1: That's I the ha- one kind I of had everyone lunch. had. I, I actually had one of the seventy one tens. Okay. That was quite an aspirational thing in my my very small social set because it was the Matrix <laughs> phone, right? It oh, was the, cool. the check one. Um, and uh, ever, so, ever since um, I saw one of my colleagues whip, whip one out at Ask Pizza in Victoria and go, operator, I need an exit. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, I have to have that. Uh, that, yeah, that, no, that could have great. gone two ways, that, that interaction. Yeah.
0: There's probably it's... other people who didn't think that at the same yeah. time.
1: I, I'm now I'm now really nostalgic for the Nokia 7110. I kind of want to go on eBay and see if you can get them still, but I think that's probably excessive. Oh, I'm sure you can. I'm sure
0: you can. Yeah. They're so so tandy. I actually found a bunch in, in a drawer the other day when I was tidying up a bunch of old phones. I felt kind of sad <laughs> for them.
1: Yeah. These days, of course, if you find a modern old phone, it's like, get that thing on eBay. It's probably oh, worth like 200 yeah. quid.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um well all this reminiscing over phones um, it's
1: kind of aposite right though like as it's, it's you know it's, it's sort of going back in, in in history it's dredging up the
0: it absolutely is the, yeah. It maybe memory, start,
1: yeah maybe someone should start maybe
0: you know i'm saying someone should start it i'm sure there is some sort of retrospective phone history podcast
1: you should do it when you run out of uh, games to talk about i
0: should yeah go
1: back Just, into uh, mobile call, phones call it, yeah call it ringtones or something <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, thanks for having me on this. I I I, uh, I really um, uh, I really like the uh, the episodes I listen to, so oh, I'm, thanks. I'm kind of flattered and flattered and excited because I like this sort of
0: thing. Well, that's good. Well, let's do let's do a, a formal introduction then. So, Tom, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks so much for for coming on. Um, if you don't
1: mind, would you introduce yourself? Sure. Um, so my name is Tom Bramwell. Um, I am a writer slash journalist slash horrible corporate sellout brand writer person um actually i'm unemployed at the moment so uh none of those things is i mean it's like a sort of schrodinger's career kind of thing <laughs> like i i was those things but am i still those things in the absence of a job no one knows um but yeah i think if um so if your uh, listeners remember me at all or have any clue who i am it might it's most likely to have of been of course they the, will tom very, very, very long time I spent working at Eurogamer, which is a, a website about video games um, that's quite popular. And um, I also spent uh, just over a year working for Riot Games, who make League of Legends. Uh, but yeah, right now I'm, I'm not doing anything particular apart from obviously looking for another job.
0: Yeah, is that is that terrifying? Is that is that exciting? Oh, yeah. I don't know. No, no it's
1: it's, it's um, no, it's not terrifying. It's um, uh, so I really liked the job I had. Right, um, it was uh, it was a real shame um, not to be able to continue at Riot, but um. I don't know if you know the circumstances, but the um, I worked at uh, the office they had in Brighton, yeah. um, and uh, they decided to consolidate functions into the Dublin office. Um, and you know, as much as I loved working there, uh, it was like, it was like, you know, what am I going to regret more in 20 years? Not um, you know delivering value to League of Legends players in Europe, or my child not knowing his grandparents, you know. So, okay. But the, you know, the scales don't even really. There's no. There's that just gotta go boom, down on one side. So, I yeah. decided to. um They were they were very very good about it. They were just like, okay, you know, that's that's absolutely absolutely fine, and, and they looked after all of us. I was but, gonna yeah, say that was like that, that. Like
0: Dublin is is a really nice go- Dublin, but then I th- yeah, I didn't absolutely. realize there was the this. The, well, I did obviously, but the the children aspect is a, is a much bigger issue, and the family yeah, and
1: stuff if I was still in my mid twenties or whatever and, and and unattached, I would have been over there in a flash or to LA or somewhere like that. But, um, no, it was, it was, it was, it was, I mean, I, I won't lie it wasn't a difficult decision because it's so, I mean, it was, so, it was only ever going to go that way. But yeah. in, in the sense that I really liked the job, it was, it was a, it was a shame. And yeah, the, the search for work continues. Um, I have some good, uh, I I've been having lots of interesting conversations and stuff. Um, and I'm not in like a, insane rush but um I'm I'm a very kind of uh frantically productive person so downtime of any sort is is (laughs) is, it's kind of more of a drain on my mental health than it is on anything else and is it
0: Um, like writing stuff that you're still looking to get into or are you are you looking to expand your your portfolio
1: uh it's so I like I like both of the jobs that I've had um for most of my life so if I can find something that uh allows me to Employ those skills, the ones that I spent such a long time honing, then uh, then I will go for that. I mean, I know that's quite an oblique answer, but basically, that I'm saying no, that there, there are there are any number of things I would contemplate. It's much more about is it the right kind of company culture, yeah. is it the right kind of challenge, um, and obviously location is is clearly something that I care about a lot. So.
0: And what were yeah. you doing at, at Riot? It was kind of like in the in the brief research that, that I tend to do in these shows. It, it seemed to be like a kind of a general kind of copywriter, essentially.
1: It's it's so um, I was head of writing, uh, which is an awesome title. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'm very pleased that I've got that on my CV. Um, but basically, uh, so in, in Europe, well, so in Riot generally, they have the, the kind of uh, the concept of like craft discipline and then the stuff you work on. Um, so I was a discipline leader for writing in Europe, which means that I was responsible for, uh, all of the writers that we would hire in Europe. I had to, and I had to kind of, um, uh, lead hiring processes for them, uh, help stratify the roles that existed. So help people to understand the difference between say an associate writer, a writer, a senior writer, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, and, uh, I also, um, like the primary thing that I was employed to do was help define, um, Riot's right, European editorial strategy, kind of how we would speak to players of the game in all the countries we had in Europe um, through brand content and stuff like that, which is quite an interesting thing to do in a in a kind of um, a region that isn't where the game is made and where the primary communication with players takes place from. So yeah. it was really interesting, really interesting place to work. Um, and I, I met a lot of incredibly smart people and, and, and do really miss working there. So and riot but, is just uh, league of
0: legends right i mean that's their that's their thing
1: uh yeah so i mean the 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 uh uh i mean
0: that's a pretty big thing to to have like
1: yeah i mean what i'm what i'm kind of umming and auring is that they obviously uh, aspire to have more than one <laughs> more than one game the, the running joke is that there was the desire to be riot games not to riot game um but um <laughs> Yeah, like, you know, uh, the, the main thing we worked on was League of Legends. Obviously, there was also the eSports aspect um, and a ton of other bits and pieces. And, you know, uh, Riot will, I am absolutely certain, publish more video games um, over time. And I really, honestly, knowing what that company is like, I can't wait to see what they are. League of Legends too, obviously. <laughs> I, I made that joke so many times. I may <laughs> actually have contributed to the closure of the Brighton Office. <laughs> Um, okay tom well let, let's let's go
0: go right back so if you can remember yeah. what was your your first experience of a video game?
1: yeah, so I've tried to I tried to figure this out because i've I've got a few like long long ago uh, gaming memories let me let me so basically it's one of three things. it's either uh my dad's uh eight zero eight six with its kind of space invader cover mag demo ripoff thing. Uh, which I don't think it is, I think that was later, or um, BBC Micro at School, um, which again, I don't think it is, but is worth mentioning, because my main recollection of it is that we had a piece of software called Pod, who was like a sort of early version of Siri, but looked like a tomato, and you basically would just ask questions, um, and Pod would try to answer them. Um, and this was fun because obviously we were about six. So the main, most of the questions we asked were to do with, you know, bums and poo and stuff like that. Um, and that was, and, and pod didn't really know what to make of that. Um, I don't know if it really ed- aided my education, but it is basically the only <laughs> thing I remember of, of school before I was about 10. So it's, it's clearly, you know, it's made an impression. Anyway. So I think the, the, the earliest kind of significant gaming, uh, experience I had was, uh, when I was probably about, I would struggle to like pin it down exactly, but between the ages of five and eight, probably, probably probably to the the, the lower end of that, when my dad um, invited me and my sister into the front room of our, our, our house and said, we have got something really special to show you. And what he had got out was um, a ZX Spectrum Plus 2 that he had wired up to um, an old television. We'd never seen anything like it. It was, you know, it was it was the... The keyboard with the cassette deck built into it sort of yeah. thing um and yeah my, my earliest memories are, are games on that the principally a game called wriggler which um was i you know i think it was probably an extraordinarily simple screen by screen you play as a worm kind of maze game but in my mind's eye this is basically ballooned to something of like zelda 3 proportions (laughs) and that's how i really remember it as you were this like uh this amazing worm struggling against all of these different enemies and there's all these different locations and stuff i remember there's like an orchard that was really hard to get through that kind of thing um and yeah that's that was it you know all the screeching tapes and that sort of thing and was that Uh, like a,
0: a family console or was that like for you or for your sister or
1: i think it was a sort of special occasion kind of thing yeah, that's quite a
0: nice surprise. Like, so it wasn't Christmas yeah. or a birthday or anything. It was just like,
1: check it out. We've got a computer, I now. I think I don't think it was. Yeah, I it wasn't because it was definitely not ours. Um, I did have consoles um, in my youth, um, but that came a bit later. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was um, as as best I remember it. It was a kind of you know children being brought into the drawing room to experience something wonderful kind of moment, um, which obviously I hope to replicate for my son. But it's not going to happen. He's just going to end up playing like um flick kick football on my mobile phone <laughs> that it did uh, did your parents play games with you or did they play games at all um i don't think they did really um my dad obviously he had you know he had this stuff i think he was more interested in it from a kind of tinkering um perspective he's the son of a uh, an engineer um my grandfather um used to build uh like actual locomotive engines in his workshop outside like not like full size but like scale working models um that, that could sort of chuff around. So I think he probably inherited that tinkerer gene. Um, but no, I don't, I don't really, I think it's probably been a bit of a mystery to my parents, the, uh, <laughs> the video game infatuation. I mean, they're not, they're not, they're not really uh, complaining about it by this stage, but, um, yeah, and was this I, all in, I, in Brighton? No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not from Brighton at all. Actually. i uh, this was, um, so I bought, I was, I grew up in a place called Chesham in Buckinghamshire. Um, too, like that makes me sound really very home counties. There is none more home counties, I think, than Chesham in Buckinghamshire. <laughs> Maybe Gerrards Cross, or uh, uh, it's it's not too far from um, uh, from Checkers, the,
0: okay. uh,
1: the country retreat of um, our various prime ministers. Um, but yeah, no, So that was uh, that was growing up there, um, and that was that was the uh, the earliest gaming memory for sure. Although the the early like the first games console that I actually owned was a, a Sega Game Gear. Oh really? Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, and where did because, that come
0: from? Like, did did the did the spectrum kind of instill this kind of love of games in you? I wish
1: or? there was some sort of exciting narrative like that. I can't actually remember at all. <laughs> um, I I just remember I got it. I think it was probably for a birthday, um, and I had like, you remember they at that stage? I guess they they have kept doing this, but they uh, they had sort of specific Sonic games for the Game Gear and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And I had like the Sonic Game Gear game and possibly columns and a couple of other things um that was really good that sonic game gear game yeah i what i remember most vividly though is i think it was the second one i got for a birthday subsequently and it uh i could never get past the first world because the boss fight was just unbelievable like to my stupid childish fingers um it involved it was like a mixture of a minecart level and Doctor Robotnik, and you had to kind of. I just remember this one section at the end where you were kind of in a in a minecart and you had to kind of jump out and whack Robotnik. I could literally never do it, so I never actually got anywhere in that game. Oh, that's
0: heartbreaking.
1: because well, I mean, it's like as a kid, you, you play.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, no, I know, but just in like, <laughs> yeah, to have a game like games are such so rare when you were young. There was such like you get a game mm-hmm. and that would see you through for a couple of weeks, but then. A couple yeah. of months, I, even, you know, and to I, not I, be I able know. to beat it. Oh, geez.
1: I, I, I have to say, I don't think I ever really beat, beat games at that age. I think it was probably quite, still quite young. I had like California games and a couple of other things as well. That was uh,
0: really hard.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think my experience of video games was basically each one had one level and you couldn't complete it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, the. Uh, it, it only re- like my love of games. Um, you know, the the pivotal moment in my youth though was when I got a Super Nintendo that's when that's when shit really got real
0: i mean, again was that just like you know as though it was like a new toy for christmas or were you just like i need this like you know looking in magazines thinking oh my god it's got all these colors
1: i think that was still very young and i think it was actually probably an accident of um i think it was a serious serendipitous thing um because my there was a kid on my road who had a mega drive and and we used to go around there and you know classic fashion you go around and you like hi I'm, I'm here to see i can't even remember his name <laughs> but he definitely <laughs> had a mega drive this kid and uh, and his pet his mum's just like yeah i know what you're here <laughs> <laughs> and we would play you know we play Sonic the Hedgehog up down left right a and start you know level select um that sort of thing uh and i think i probably you know badgered my parents and said oh, i want i want like a mega drive whatever and who knows what I've never actually quizzed them about this why I ended up with a Super Nintendo, but thank goodness I did because obviously that was the correct choice. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Much as I like a Mega Drive, you know, I will partake of a Mega Drive. Um, the the Super Nintendo uh, was was an astonishing machine. I think I had I had Mario All Stars. Which oh,
0: that's a good game to get with it.
1: That is an, yeah, I mean, an incredible game to get with it. It was the pack-in ga- uh, version, which um, you know, so the console came in this sort of bright yellow box with the mario stuff all over it and i had played a lot of um mario brothers 3 on the NES with my friend dan going around his house they had a uh, played nintendo world cup and that so having like a more colorful version of it plus all these other mario games was just was just heaven um and from there it was kind of mario kart mario world um stunt race fx lots of stuff uh until kind of around 12 age 12 i started discovering like super super play magazine Uh, um, which i now have a complete set because uh disposable income plus nostalgia (laughs) equals joy (laughs) (laughs) um and um, uh was that is
0: that quite a recent acquisition the full back no I've,
1: I've i've had it for years now but it was um it was uh at some point in my 20s i was just like I must have found it on eBay and it was like all 47 issues plus a binder plus the Super Play Gold issue, X amount of money. And I would have just been like, yep, absolutely give me that right now.
0: That's weird. Uh, I've never had that. I don't know if you listened to the, the most recent episode that came out was with um, Steve McNeil. Oh, so, so, yeah, um, yes, yeah, He did the uh, Go 8-Bit and he he did the exact same thing. Like just recently, actually, since the the TV show got picked up, he's gone back and he's bought like the first console he's ever owned, he ever owned yeah. and all these old magazines and stuff
1: yeah oh i'm just getting started on that that the, the um the the so that was in my 20s i did that i know i'm skipping around my life that's bit, fine but so the magazines which I are in my room behind me somewhere um lovingly stored in boxes which i still dig out and read now and then because they're just wonderful um that was one thing it got a bit more excessive uh a few years ago when i got married and i was on my honeymoon um i was um uh my wife and i were in new york and she was getting a haircut uh, and i'm sitting there on my phone waiting um for her to get a haircut and i just dip into ebay and i start looking around for stuff and i noticed this guy selling a uh mint condition mint condition version of um copy of final fantasy 2 okay um the america the america do we have to clarify the numbering was sort of different from japan to the u.s but yeah basically is that like five or something I think it was five, yeah, and and then uh, six in Japan is three, um, which is the one everyone really cares about. Um, yeah. and I'd spent uh, a lot of time in my in my youth reading about these games, these mystical, magical games in in uh, in Super Play, and I'd I'd played Chrono Trigger, but never owned it, and I had never seen or played two, Final Fantasy two or three. Um, the the games I had had, I had had Secret of Mana because that was actually a PAL release. Yep, um, and I loved that. Uh, and Zelda Three, of course. Um, I still call it Zelda Three. People find that weird, um, but that's that's what that's what it was called in Super Play, so that's what it's called in my <laughs> in my head. Um, uh, and 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 stuff like that. And anyway, I, I found I saw this this auction, and it was you know it wasn't like stupid money. It was like sixty pounds or maybe seventy or something. Which, considering that you used to have to pay like sixty or seventy pounds to import that oh, stuff totally, when it was yeah. new, in the nineties was crazy. And I looked at it, and I just thought. That looks immaculate. So I bought it. And then I looked at the seller's other auctions. Um, and he was selling some other stuff. He was selling Final Fantasy III, Secret of Mana, Zelda Link to the Past, uh, Shadowrun, and of all things, Earthbound.
0: Oh, amazing. Um,
1: all of them in absolutely, like in his words, like mint condition. And, and, I, and I, I was, uh, I don't know if you're married, but getting married is is like it, it you you get you're just so happy um yeah. for for like weeks uh, and i and i didn't care about anything so i was just like right i'm having all of it and i got <laughs> absolutely all of it the only thing that i didn't get was chrono trigger because he'd sold that to someone else and i'm really annoyed about that so i don't have chrono trigger but i have all the others in, in and they are almost as though they've just come up like they are better than if you picked them off the shelf at your local um video shop is the cartridge
0: still in the little bag in the box yeah oh, the amazing. boxes
1: are the boxes are pristine i bought plastic protectors for all of them um i joke that it's the retirement fund because i know i mean like copies of earthbound that are in print you know immaculate condition go for hundreds of pounds but i don't i don't know if i'll ever actually sell them but yeah so i I was so tilted by not having this stuff in my youth that i went on a massive splurge in my 20s and 30s and got all of it
0: and did like Um, has that carried on or is it just that one singular moment
1: that was, no, it's, it's, that's kind of it. I mean, I've got loads of gaming stuff. Don't get me wrong. I've got absolutely tons of, I'm, I'm sitting in my, um, uh, I call it the loot cave because um, I, I hate the phrase man cave um, and, and I play too much Destiny. And um, so I'm surrounded by N64s and Super Nintendos and Playstations, Xboxes. I've got a two meter tall um, uh, painting of, of the Dark Souls world. Um, framed over to my right, and, and a Sephiroth figure on my desk, and that kind of thing. Um, but no, I, I that was in terms of like being a collector, those were the things that that really mattered to me.
0: And your complete collection of, of Superplay Super Play, obviously. Yes. And was it was it just Super Play? Like, did you did you yeah. dabble in the others, or was that you just oh, I, I you read know, tied others. your post to the mast? I, I
1: would read, read Total occasionally, or you know, if you you know, it's like there only there's only one issue a month, so you have to find something to fill the time in between um but uh no super play was was very much the one it was partly it was just the um the covers <coughs> Excuse me. it was the cover artwork um which uh, was was by a chap called will overton and it, every single issue had this um uh beautifully uh painted um anime style sorry manga style cover that he he would uh, he would do based on whatever game was in the issue so it was none of the kind of you know what Artwork could we get from the developer to put on the cover, kind of thing. It was all custom, and that was really that made it really made it stand out to me. It didn't look like any of the other magazines, um, and it's it was my kind of. I, I, I'm not a Japanophile um, by any stretch, but at that stage, um, that was a, a really interesting and exotic culture to me. So yeah, uh, I found that very really attractive as well. And I, th- I do
0: think all those magazines were like integral in that. You know, that yeah. especially the games magazines are like the sort of late eighties, early nineties. They they were the first kind of western media i suppose to really dig into a lot of the, yeah. the japanese culture that's my first exposure to like most of it i'd say
1: yeah absolutely and and it, you know reading stuff like they had a column called live from hell city which was a sort of weird thing about whatever was going on in japanese otaku culture and they had a, a an anime review section at the back and uh, and and the final fantasy forum which was like two to four pages of, of just stuff about japanese rpgs and, and secrets in final fantasy 3 um every every issue which is wonderful when you think about how long it's taken uh, the games press to realize that writing about the same game repeatedly is a good deal yeah uh, you know they were doing it in the 90s um and yeah like uh the, some the, the names of the people in that magazine they, they, they remain and i think this has happened this happens to virtually every games writer but you, you have your kind of your heroes um yeah. and you know so you know tony martin zy nicholson will overton those kind of people those are the names that i remember and i actually I've met I met Tony Mott a bunch of times because of, obviously he's he's still around doing Edge, but yeah, um, uh, and and it was very it was very like I was super fanboy when I first met him. Um, you know, did you really, you know, the review of Yoshi's Island, which is basically bullet points because you ran out of time? Did you did you really <laughs> do that? You know, that kind of thing. Um, and I met um Zy Nicholson once as well, which was which was kind of a special moment. I think I probably confused the hell out of him, but um, yeah, you know, that was that was all very very formative that was kind of the first phase of my uh, my gaming uh, history i guess
0: it's really weird because i was really really into the magazines and superplay seems to have just completely passed me by and i don't know why because i had like full collections of a bunch of them like mm-hmm. cvgs and meme machines and then the, the various me machines kind of subdivisions yeah. but never superplay yeah like.
1: You see, I'm. Sp- yeah, I, I, I. never had those. I don't know what it is, but we, I guess we were just spoiled rotten in this country. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, um, no question about it. The next, the next sort of phase of my gaming life was the PC, and obviously, you know, PC Gamer um, and Zone and those magazines. You know, that incredible stuff as well.
0: Yeah, no, they've come up a bunch of times, especially with a lot of the the journals and stuff as being like hugely formative.
1: Yeah, and uh, honestly, uh, the PC Gamer thing. I mean, uh, Zone was great as well. Don't get me wrong, uh, but. The weird thing was that kind of uh, being into PC games and, and becoming a, a games journalist, the sort of the, the period of uh, idolizing those magazines and the people in them and becoming the person who would actually employ people to write about games overlapped a lot. So I ended up meeting and getting to know these people who I had and employing in some cases people who I had you know spent parts of my teenage years reading and, and thinking, oh, my God, you're, you're, you're these incredible, heroic people to me.
0: Yeah, no, it's crazy. Um, and and did this kind of instill in you the desire to to do that because obviously you did go on to do that
1: yeah i i think it was the super nintendo years that did it um i remember uh very much like super play was the sort of the thing where i was like okay i want to do this this looks amazing um you know i would i would sit in my gcse art classes drawing um street fighter 2 characters in the style of will overton um (laughs) that kind of thing so i clearly wanted to um to do that sort of thing
0: um that's amazing though because like you started working at Eurogamer like not long after that because you were super yeah, young yeah. when you
1: started there, right? I was, I uh, I think I was 16 or 17. I was straight out of school. I didn't really, school wasn't really for me. Um, I was at a, a a grammar school in Buckinghamshire. Okay. Um, where, like an all boys place. That's a harrowingly awful experience. <laughs> um, the, uh, I, I occasionally meet other grammar school survivors and you kind it kind of goes one of two ways at one of those places. You're either you're either completely uh into it and and just sort of you know rinse it for what it what it can give you or you just bounce off it completely and i was very much the latter um and was game was
0: how was sort of games perceived in in the grammar school was that was that something Um, you bonded with people over or was it just like no
1: i I think it evolved over time like you know you this was the point at which uh i mean this is the start of the 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 period in which games became more mainstream yeah so you know they were still an outsider thing like probably when i started it was nerdy and by the time i was giving up on it all everyone was turning up in in you know in in class with copies of command and conquer and metal Gear solid in their bags and stuff and it was like uh you know so it, it evolved while i was there that wasn't you know that wasn't sort of i don't think gaming was a defining aspect of my uh experience uh making friends or whatever at, at grammar school but the uh but dodging ducking out of grammar school to write video game reviews for for um uh games by freelance when i was 15 definitely was um, so uh yeah i i, I kind of gave up on school while i was there and just found other avenues to um explore how did that my start parents, though
0: because that's like that's crazy to be doing that so yeah i mean like yeah i'd say me and all of my friends dreamed of doing that at that age but you know, you just wouldn't know how to do it. You wouldn't know where to go. So yeah. that's
1: it's a big I, deal I, to just start. I think um, I think a lot of it. I, I haven't given it. Uh, I haven't analysed it in, in sort of crazy detail. But um, I think if, there were probably a few factors that played a large part. One was my parents were extremely supportive. Um, you know, they bought computers um, for the house, um, and eventually, uh, probably when I was like, what year did Quake Two come out? What was that? I that's don't know, like two thousand. No, yeah, not yeah. that late.
0: 1996, that's let's my see,
1: guess. Let's see. 97.
0: 97. See, that's really
1: good, though. I wouldn't have been able to get that. So 97, so what was I? It was probably like 13, 14. So around that time, I got a, uh, I got my own computer. Um, and we had the internet. We had CompuServe, and then we had something else. And, um, and they they seemed to allow me to uh, just do the internet thing and the computer thing. They, they, they Maybe they... Thought it would, you know, it was it was something that was where society was going, and it would lead to jobs or whatever. I don't know. Um, but well, that did. was a big, big um, yeah. I mean, yeah, they called that one correctly. If yeah. That was it. Um, but um, so I had that in my corner. I had this desire to just express myself about video games in the way that these magazines and and, and whatever else um, were doing. Um, and uh, I was an extremely persistent, uh, annoying teenager i didn't care about my studies particularly but i was really into this stuff so i pursued it with the fervor of a a typical teenager um and uh also it helped that i was kind of firing into a media world that was still crap so you know like the stuff i was writing was garbage and i I actually cared far more about how my website looked than what the content was that kind of thing but how whatever confluence of circumstances i ended up meeting people through online communities and finding my way into the orbit of game spies um kind of uh, galaxy of websites um they had all these um uh they, they you remember planet quake planet half-life i do yeah
0: stuff. absolutely
1: yeah 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 so so a galaxy that's a good constellation that was quite a good um quite a good metaphor um the um <laughs> so i got to I, I can't remember exactly how this happened but i ended up uh working on planet blood and planet shogo which were like the the, the monolith game sites and f- i guess i was productive because i sort of parlayed that up to working on planet half-life which they actually put me in charge of which, oh that's, uh, that's that's
0: a bold move
1: yeah and i think i was terrible at it i think i alienated people and was just writing a load of garbage but it, whatever it kind of it, it looks good and was that life. like
0: when half-life was a known quantity it was yeah like, oh it was, here's how right, game is that
1: so that was when Counter Strike 1.6 was huge. Ah, oh, it's a big deal. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, you know, it it, it was, it was good. Uh, and uh, I I also worked on a a site that I, I can't remember what happened to it called 3D Action Planet, which I helped launch. Which was when they were trying to move away from game specific sites into like uh, genre sites that make them more of a kind of like general review and news type thing. Yeah, and I did that, and I did, and I uh so, and are you
0: still like 15 like did, did they know <laughs> yeah th-
1: at this point i think i am 15 yeah um is that even allowed I, I don't know i have no idea uh my my mum tells this story of how she she was kind of annoyed by all of these like 400 pound bt phone bills that would turn up uh quarterly until i started getting checks for like 1500 <laughs> every month um and and then she was just like okay all right that's crazy <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that um that yeah proper no, that teenage was...
0: living the dream like
1: <laughs> yeah really? yeah absolutely and that was that was what directly led me to Eurogamer because the guy who is the launch editor of Eurogamer John Bai um whose whose online handle was Gestalt um he left um, he was the editor of Planet Quake and he left GameSpy to join forces with the uh the Lohman brothers who launched uh, Eurogamer um and shortly after he'd done that maybe a few months um i i was still in contact with him and he was like i can't even remember how the conversation went but he was like are you into console games and i was like sure love consoles uh so i ended up going to that going there to kind of do their console coverage um which is weird because that was still very much the end of my pc period yeah um when i was all i mean i'm sitting next to the the relics of that era actually a bunch of jewel cases of pc games and you've got kind of Half-Life and Dark Forces, Grand Theft Auto, Unreal Tournament, MDK, Jedi Knight 2, that kind oh, of stuff.
0: MDK was oh, that was a, yeah, a yeah, yeah, Lost Treasure that was so good.
1: <laughs> Total Annihilation. Uh, what else is there? The Nomad's Soul. You know, loads of great stuff. But um, so yeah, but I hadn't, I hadn't really touched consoles for a few years by that stage. I'd missed out on the N64 and. Um, uh I would you know the the PlayStation and Saturn were things that I had no real experience of um but yeah what I I uh, ended up going and meeting the Eurogamer guys in a pub in London when I was you know still 16 so I couldn't actually order anything to drink <laughs> and they were like so can you write like an article a day like a review a day and some news and I was like sure <laughs> I can do that um and like, and obviously that 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 Rigorous interview process uh, <laughs> brought me into their employ. Uh, I think I think at the time, like my my uh, my kind of career, um, uh, the 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 way I was thinking about it was, I don't want to move to California to work for GameSpy because I'm a you know 16 year old nerd who's highly insecure and w- would basically never want to leave my bedroom. So uh, so this whole work from home for Eurogamer thing probably sounds a lot better. Um, my colleagues at Gamespy—they though, thought it was crazy. Like, uh, I remember one guy. Uh,
0: so wait, you 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 could have gone to LA like that it was, but potentially no, I, an no, option. No, no, there. no. I,
1: do, I don't. think so. I think. I think in. But I'm in terms of like where I, where I was, I was like, what is the progression? Yeah. And it was going to be, you know, I, I can't necessarily. I can't really work remotely in perpetuity for this big American firm. They're going to just want people by that. You know, and I already had friends who were thinking of moving out there, who worked for uh, for Gamespy. So. Yeah, no, I, 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 I kind of I did that calculation and just thought this sounded better. Um, but it was it was kind of it was very, very it was a weird decision at the time, like because this completely unproven thing that my friend had gone to uh, versus this seemingly, um, you know, unstoppable machine that was GameSpy that was kind of dominating uh, online media uh, around games. Um, but yeah, it, it was one That's of those weird life decisions that, yeah, that, that, that pays out in the end
0: and were um, you like like oh, i said a minute ago like this this is you're you living the sort of uh, teenage dream but were you yeah. were you aware of it like you know did you have like friends who were like what what is it you do oh, yeah. and how much do you it, get paid
1: what it, yeah no this was my this was basically my social capital um, <laughs> you know relative to other people i was the cool internet gaming guy i mean cool is so relative but um in, in my social set of, of fellow nerds this was this was you know this was awesome i was like royalty um uh yeah so uh, i mean you know at one point one of them discovered how much one of our it teachers at school was making and it was basically the same as i was getting from GameSpy.
0: that's crazy
1: yeah it was that was pretty that was pretty disgusting <laughs> um
0: that's that big I mean, big yeah. american dollars
1: i think i well i actually i think it was the terrible teaching pounds <laughs>
0: more likely yeah actually <laughs>
1: more than anything um but no i mean you know it was making any money at all when you're you're 16 let alone um doing it writing about video games was was crazy
0: oh man Um, there'd be so many kids listening to this like heartbroken these these glory days of video i really i
1: really cannot stress enough how fortunate um i was obviously i worked bloody hard but i was incredibly fortunate with the timing to kind of uh, you know hit that particular moment in that particular set of circumstances
0: because that would have been around like the kind of the not not the start but kind of the the main kind of shift from kind of um, paper to online, yes. basically.
1: Like, that yes. was, it was
0: right in that kind of sweet spot.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and the first few years of Eurogamer definitely was characterized in that way. It was, we were the kind of bleeding edge disruptive force um, constantly underestimated by our gigantic print enemies. Um, I remember one person told me that Future Publishing had had a, like, an internal meeting or something where they'd been an, an hour our site had come up as a competitor and, and someone had dismissed us as boys in their bedrooms um and uh I remember uh, I mean it's not like we've killed off future publishing or anything but um I remember uh later in life thinking back on that and thinking you always want to be the people that people are dismissing um because if they're not taking you seriously then they won't see you coming um that's
0: a uh, that's um um like something you put up on on a wall that's a nice slogan for a tarantino quote isn't it it totally (laughs) is yeah (laughs) yeah
1: no but honestly that's that that is definitely something that that, um that i think back on in that way um
0: and it's weird though because like that sort of age there's 16 on that that's kind of uh classically i suppose from all the people i've spoken to the kind of age where people tend to sort of drift away from games and and get into other things but you you didn't have that option i suppose
1: no, I mean, I I didn't want to either. I, I like I said, the, I think I think um, being in an all boys grammar school, making absolutely no social connection with women at all for the whole of my teens really helped because I had no, and I wasn't going to university or anything. So You're just I had like no, all the other no video game journalists. Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> I, I basically I had nothing to distract me from the important business of giving video games seven out of ten in my bedroom. <laughs> um, so uh yeah that that was that was it that was all i did um and i loved it i could have spent every single hour of my day working on that if i wanted to um and it, and it gave me enormous pleasure um
0: and it was it like i mean cuz cuz that kind of shift as well from you know going from like that kind of age like people like for me for instance right when i when i was young games were like i always loved games and but they were they were rare you know you'd get the odd one here and there and you play with your friends yeah. and stuff and then you go to university, and you kind of move away from it, and you get back into it, and then you get to a stage where you, you're getting a disposable income, and suddenly, you're like, mm. oh, I can just play whatever I want. But yeah. you're getting that like straight away, and not only can you get whatever you want, you're just having all these things thrust upon you. That must have been amazing.
1: It was really interesting. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Like in my when I was a kid, you know, a new game was was a once every six months sort of deal. You know, it was uh, and I know, and I I remember some some horrible episodes, which will probably cast a terrible light on me like um because it was so rare the importance of the game being brilliant was enormous you know it had to be something that would keep you going for a long time so you had to love it and it had to be a deep constant love from pretty much like the second you got it oh cool and i remember um and i remember i loved super mario world and i'd been reading about yoshi's island in super play um and of course as soon as it came out i wanted it and my mum got it for me and i hated it like I just I, I really hated the handling of Yoshi in that game. Like the way that he felt to control versus the, the, the classic Mario Sprite. Yeah. And I just couldn't get into it. Like I, I don't know what it was. Uh, I mean I kind of and it's completely coloured my relationship with that game. Um I've never been able to really have the same love for it that other people have. And it was it was partly that and it was partly the the uh, the worldview thing where it was just like, you know, one one, one two, one three, sort of on a on a straight line rather than the lovely sprawling overworld kind of thing that you explored like the in, in mario brothers three or, or mario world yeah uh and so i i, I we took it back because i just i just couldn't get into oh, it oh man I that, is, how old I was, that is insane it's mad isn't it but um it, it's it's true and I, I can't remember what i got instead but um yeah so when you, you know obviously you contrast that with like later it, it sort of probably by the time i was about 20 when i was just getting jiffy bags of games through the door every friday um from publishers was was, was a crazy period um but that's quite oh, weird. like did, did that change
0: um not change your relationship, My relationship with,
1: with games yeah no it did it, it was um uh you go from uh wanting to rinse absolutely every drop of pleasure out of something uh to having a very disposable relationship with games um, and it, it was something that I had to really like row against in, in, in my twenties when I sort of became conscious of it as a, as a kind of journalist and as increasingly as a manager of other journalists, it was like, we have to have the same value relationship with games as the people reading our publications. We can't, it can't just be free, cool stuff to us that we don't care about. Yeah. You know, um,
0: like, but, but were there games like in that influx that, that kind of stood out for you that you really kind of formed a, a
1: relationship with, so to speak? Ah, yeah, Grand Theft Auto 3, definitely. Um, That was the big one. That was, what, 98 or something. Yeah, Uh, the PlayStation 2 version of Grand Theft Auto 3. Because going back a bit further, the original Grand Theft Auto was the game that made me start writing about games on the Internet. Um, I created a a, a Grand Theft Auto fan site um, called Bubbies. Bubby was an NPC in that game. and, uh, I became part of that online community posting news and, and files and all sorts of other stuff. And, um, so I had this massive affection for that series. And I remember the, the first time, like the demo of that was like a, it was back in the era where they gave you like, cause Grand Theft Auto was three levels, basically, um, it was Liberty city, um, San Andreas and Vice city. And they gave you Liberty city and 60 minutes, the demo. Which is incredible, and and so
0: that's the only version of it I've ever played.
1: Really, the top-down one. The
0: top-down one that it was. We had it on a computer in A6 form, and that's yeah. that's the only. And it was just that demo every day yeah. for probably the yeah, whole year. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, no, it was. It was. It, it's. It was one of the greatest game demos ever made. Oh, it was amazing because um, you could and, score and I, attack it as well, which was the yeah. that was the big thing. Yeah, it was fantastic, and and it was um, it was so transgressive as well. Just all of the stuff like running over. Um, uh what are they called um harry krishna's and stuff yeah, like that i didn't yeah, know yeah. what a harry krishna was so you know i always thought uh, it was a
0: football team i only found that out quite recently <laughs> i thought it was a football team and i didn't understand what the was it like garanga or
1: something that was yeah garanga yeah. Granger was the name of one of the biggest grand theft auto fan sites the guy who had grand, oh, grand no no auto. .com. yeah it was it was called garanga uh rockstar subsequently bought that domain off him um and uh, gave him garanga.com instead um Fun, fun little nerdy fun fact. fact yeah. um, from
0: a man who used to run a GTA
1: uh, fan site, <laughs> clearly. Yeah, um, and I made some really long-lasting friendships in that community. My my one of my best friends, um, Martin Taylor, who, who who was my best man, and I was his best man. He, he lived down the road from me, and I met him through GTA fan sites when I was sixteen or fifteen or whatever. Um, oh, but so anyway, you, yeah. But
0: wait, no, that, that's interesting because like, did you know him before that? No. So, but, and you Martin's you were both name. met on the internet, and then realised yeah. you just lived down the road from each other.
1: No, he was actually an art student in uh, like Medway. Oh, I was okay. in Buckinghamshire, uh, and I uh, when I joined Eurogamer, I can't remember exactly how it happened, but he ended up working for Eurogamer as well as uh, as a writer and then subsequently a designer. Um, but uh, yeah, no, we moved to uh, we moved to Brighton to live together. Um, like he was he was my first flatmate, uh, and that was all thanks to um, the uh, uh, the community building efforts of the original Grand Theft Auto. It's a beautiful story. It is. It really is. It really is. Um, And our children play together in the playground now. It's it's absolutely crazy. (laughs)
0: Um, All started by uh, a a homicidal simulator, basically.
1: DMA design has a lot to answer for. (laughs) Um, But so Grand Theft Auto 3, though, when that came out, I, I don't remember loving GTA 2 as much as the first one um although i probably i would like to revisit that game because i expect it's really interesting
0: that was like the british um, version wasn't it it was all oh no in... that was gta london oh was that gta the, london the, that gta one?
1: 2 was the more was the futuristic one oh okay i don't think i yeah. played that i i think it needs revisiting actually I've, i think have i got a copy of it next to me no i've got gta london oh anyway brilliant I'm, i'll be on ebay after this <laughs> so um uh but but gta 3 when it just kind of landed unceremoniously on my doormat from take two I couldn't have imagined, you know, the having that game, but in 3D.
0: Oh, it was unbelievable because it came out of nowhere. Like that game, it was yeah. so exciting,
1: and it was unbelievable. Like so much of it, the um, uh, just the fact that it was uh, that it had that exact gameplay, but in 3D. The handling model of the cars was just exquisite. Like I remember flipping ambulances over for days because it was just so much fun. The physics of it was perfect. The, um, you know, the, the, the cop system worked so well in that environment. You going up in multi-story car parks with sniper rifles, trying to bait tanks and stuff like yeah. that. Um, the little touches that were really, you know, that I remember one thing I, I particularly loved was the way that because, uh, you know, like texture loading works on, on consoles yeah. that they have different textures for different distances. If it, from a, from a distance, the, uh, like the, the furthest away, um, billboard sign uh would say petrol and then as it resolved into like when you got closer it would say gas and stuff like that ah. which is either a, a long-lasting bug <laughs> for a, <laughs> some sort of localization um, effort or is just genius kind of um transgressions within transgressions um but yeah that game you know that oh, that so between good. that prevolution. Pre-Evolu- evolution ssx was another one i uh i spent i I have um uh i spent hours and hours just restarting tracks on that to try to get the perfect run that kind of thing
0: and is that something that that you you get a lot like are you a competitive gamer in any way
1: um yeah i mean i'm a a real i know i know this is the most cliche thing anyone can ever say but i'm a perfectionist Uh, (laughs) but in a gaming sense uh and even in a writing sense i really am i will start a paragraph 100 times you know and fiddle around with it uh and and it's the same with games. Like uh, I, I played a lot of Trackmania, a lot of SSX, a lot of um, Trials, um, and it's it's that perfect start you need. Um, get those first kind of 10, 15 seconds of, of of each run perfect, and then build on that. Um, oh but yeah, no, no. That, that
0: that is exactly the same as, as as that that that's what I love most. I especially love games where you can. Where it is in your ability to be perfect, like that's why I love rhythm action games so much. I think because you can, yeah. you can do that perfectly. And Pac-Man Championship Edition was another one.
1: I had a, oh, I love that. I had oh. a real, definitely had a real rhythm action perfection um, phase as well. Um, I want to go back to um, the competitive gaming thing, but the the uh, this this recalls an interesting uh, anecdote. So the height of the decadence of um, of games journalism. Um, the uh, so Capcom used to fly everyone out to their the gamers day thing every year uh and they had one in monaco so i've been to monaco and stayed in the hotel in monte carlo which is ridiculous like i said i, I, I don't I, I don't even feel good about it it's just weird um but they also had one in vegas um and that was the year that street fighter 4 was in development and i went out and kind of interviewed yoshi yono and that kind of thing um, and the thing that was weird about this was the um so they they'd hired the like penthouse suite of the palms casino um, it, it was like a two-story thing with a pool and a glass elevator, and this was like where all a the Hitman games. Hitman
0: level, basically.
1: Yeah, it's it, that's exactly it. It's a Hitman level, and and so and and I think it had an infinity pool. And you know, it was basically they'd hired this thing to look really cool in your interviews and stuff. So you played the games, and they had rooms around where they were interviewing stuff. But because they'd hired this thing for like three days, I think the American head of PR actually stayed in it, which is just brilliant. That's when you amazing. Think about it. Yeah. And, um, I remember going up there, uh, after a, a, an evening, um, like we had gone out for a meal and stuff. Um, and, uh, we all just went up to the suite to, to, to hang out and we played. So I, I played rock band, uh, in the penthouse of uh, a Las Vegas casino overlooking the strip and I did, and I did, I think it was Danny California or some other chili peppers song and got like a hundred percent on the vocals. Um yeah so that's my that's my rhythm action that Perfection is amazing story. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> vocals as
0: well that is the hardest the hardest part of, uh, I, I am i am
1: a karaoke fiend that's that's something else i really um i uh, do a lot of but well used to do a lot of obviously i don't do anything now. are
0: you a good singer or do you is it have you figured out like the exact intonations to make to hit the the bars correctly no i
1: i i, I am actually quite a good singer i think i have a kind of falsetto voice um which is really cool to rock out in front of people because they, they don't see it coming um
0: I'm, I'm so tempted to ask you to do that, but I won't, be <laughs> embarrassing. Maybe I,
1: I, I will, I will send you a link to something. <laughs> okay. Good. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, so, um, because
0: so, yeah, competitive,
1: competitive I, I wasn't, I, I mean, I played a lot of, um, like pro Evo and I played a lot of FIFA. Um, one of my favorite, um, kind of memories of, of games played with other people is definitely like my sessions of FIFA with the, the gamer network sales team for about four years. Uh, every lunchtime, we would just be playing FIFA. Uh, and I know it's a, a video game journalism cliche that you all play football games at lunchtime, but we did. And it was it was wonderful. I looked forward to it every day. Um, and, um, but yeah, subsequently, uh, because obviously I, I went to work at Riot, um, which, uh, you know, and they make the most, uh, I'm pretty sure it's still the biggest competitive game in the world. Yeah. Um, Legends. So I've sunk hundreds and hundreds of hours into League of Legends now um and i do play i you know you can't not play that game competitively it's uh it's it's an it's quite an astonishing thing actually league of legends
0: um, to see i've never i feel like i would like them but i've never been able to get into any of the uh MOBAs. The kind of mobas yeah
1: yeah i don't really i i would not have um were it not for the fact that uh there was the prospect of a job um i really when i so when i left Gamer network um these guys approached me and said hey we're looking for somebody who knows a lot about editorial, um, and we have an office in Brighton, uh, and we make the biggest game in the world. And I was—well, I didn't say that bit, but you know, I need that. And I was like, "Holy crap! Okay, I need to play this game." So, I forced myself to play League of Legends, which I didn't understand at all, and which, frankly, was horrible as an experience for the first sort of 30, 40 hours, um, for for months um, to try to understand it and get better at it. Um, and by the time I started, I was okay like at it not in any way good um but i could i could just about have a good game um and sitting here now i'm actually quite good at it uh, i've played it i i've played as every single champion in the game or all, all 132 um i play probably two or three games a day depending on my schedule uh i watch esports constantly um actually while you were um uh while i was waiting for you um, I was watching um, Cutie Pie, one of the um, top league streamers, just playing a random game as an ADC. Um, yeah, no, it, it has become a huge part of my life. Uh, but it's so they are completely impenetrable. To like I had to actually have the prospect of a large salary dangled in front of me in order to actually bother to get into it.
0: <laughs> well, I'm sure a lot of people kind of not a lot of people, but I'm sure some people do go into it with that in mind. Like you know, mm. I I could make some money at this if I if I'm willing to put in the time.
1: Honestly, I, I think um, it's it's very eye-opening uh, as someone who's worked for Riot and and who has got into League of Legends to see how how little connection games press in general have with competitive games. Like it is is actually kind of weird, and it is a barrier to entry thing.
0: How do you mean, the, like a, a lack of connection? I'm not sure what you mean by that. well.
1: So okay, so like yesterday, for example, right? The the t- the two biggest stories in gaming were the Apple conference with super mario run Mm -hmm. and the playstation 4 pro Simultaneously an enormous thing happened in uh, League of Legends esports a really huge part of an ongoing controversy and absolutely nobody I know in the games media world would have had a clue that it had happened at all and no one would have reported on it Um, and that is so true like there's just very little connection at all there's the way that esports is generally covered by the traditional games media is almost anthropologically you know, they're they're peering out of the rushes at the gorillas, you know, through the mist. Yeah. You know, they, and 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 that's fine. Like, you know, as a, a writing about the the I used to call it the League of Legends phenomenon, um, you know, is is a is a definitely a way to do it for your existing audience, but it's kind of crazy that this astonishingly huge world of of gaming is coexisting in in you know in plain sight, and no one's really doing anything about it.
0: But they're so big, though. I mean, they 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 all have their own. They have their own infrastructure their own kind of websites and communities and streamers and things
1: true but it's not terribly professionalized like the there's there's increasing um, uh, presence of like sports media like ESPN are in it now Yahoo's got their own sports eSports channel that stuff um, but I've I still think there's this massive gap for like um, a pub a games publication that is born in this era that just treats eSports as part of the everyday because it is so, like the majority of gamers oh, in late yeah. teens, in particular, it just is. Um, you know, I, if I talk to gamers in you know uh, between the ages of like fifteen and twenty-five, and say, you know, what are you what are you uh, what are you doing at the moment? They'll probably tell me that they're watching Twitch and they're, they're you know they're uh, they're playing League or CS:GO or whatever, um, as well as other stuff. But yeah, yeah, you know games media doesn't really represent this. I think uh,
0: the weird outlier with that is is hearthstone um because yeah. like that that's I, I play hearthstone every day i love hearthstone yeah. and that hearthstone, is, is 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 reported i do see stories yes. about that everywhere
1: hearthstone hearthstone definitely is the competitive side of hearthstone maybe not as much but definitely hearthstone generally the reporting is is, is there i would concede that one overwatch as well yeah. it's quite funny watching people watching games media cover overwatch because they all they're all discovering all of these tropes of competitive games like placement matches and stuff that are an intrinsic part of and have been of things like League and Dota and whatever for for donkey's years but to them it's all new and fresh and exciting uh and and I I'm you know I'm not belittling them it's 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 nice that that more people are being exposed to this kind of stuff but it is interesting that um that the, the the world of esports has kind of grown up on its own outside of the traditional gaming sphere
0: yeah but I mean it is tricky because a lot of those games are I mean, they're they're all consuming, you know. Like yeah. if if you want oh, to yeah. do that, then that's what you do. Like Hearthstone, at least the you I know, play a couple of games. That's like maybe half an hour yeah. or something on my lunch or something. You know, it's not it's not as much of a commitment
1: yeah and, and absolutely i mean i'm not and i'm certainly not saying i'm some sort of um genius in this respect i i presided over a, a games publication for nearly 15 years that completely didn't get into absolutely at yeah. all and, and still hasn't <laughs> and that's and you know it's fine like it, it is actually a really difficult thing to square because none of you has time to get into a game like this um or dota um or csgo i mean the big ones are csgo league and dota um hearthstone to some extent um but uh, no, no one has time for, for, for getting into that world in a serious way and the few the, the one occasion I've seen it happen which was with um, uh, Yannick Lejac at, um, at Kotaku went on a big uh, MOBA binge and, and like clearly was just they were just like hey have a run at this and he did some really good reporting um, as he got into it and started to understand it better um, but uh, it's just so rare like, and it, it will continue to just be this other world I think for, for quite a while
0: and, okay, let, let's but go na- back. I,
1: but, yeah, anyway, come
0: on. No, 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 finish what you're saying.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, I, I suspect what will happen is there will be native publications that, that kind of, like Glixel, the new Rolling Stone one, their they're early reporting that, that through their newsletter doesn't seem to have any kind of, they, they don't seem to uh, have a line between the worlds of esports and other things. They just write cool esports stories. Yeah. So I think Glixel might play as an example maybe of a new breed of gaming publication where there doesn't exist that boundary. Um but anyway yeah I, I I have found that quite interesting over the last couple of years
0: no absolutely yeah um and so like in 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 Eurogamer when when you sort of you you you've started your career essentially and you're you're covering games, and I feel like I mean those kind of sixteen to you know early twenties those are full on formative years, you know people change. Mm-hmm generally people change a lot about themselves because you have this opportunity to go off to university and you can reinvent yourself and yeah. then, did you did you feel that you had that that kind of experience like did, did your your views of games change did your writing change as you were kind of growing up
1: yeah i would say so i mean my writing was terrible like really bad for, for until really quite far into my 20s so <laughs> um i don't uh and i'm not just saying that to be to be um uh, modest I, I think if i look back on it now it's it Uh objectively, I don't think that someone of that age applying for a games job now would be able to get it with that sort of work. It was it was really quite poor. Um but it was you know, it it didn't matter because I had uh I'd made the connections and I had the um the support and I was very productive, so it was just kind of fine. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, it definitely. I mean I remember thinking and saying quite a lot in my twenties. Um my views on things change so much year to year that I don't actually uh, I, I I had to constantly check myself and say, well, I may think really fervently this right now, but in three or four years, I will probably think something completely different. Um, so I guess I became conscious of that, although yeah, I I would I would struggle to tell you what those views were at any particular time. And was uh, it,
0: were there like specific games or specific people that kind of shifted you in in one way or another? Because it's like mm-hmm. a really interesting period in games as well. It's huge, obviously. It's always yeah. kind of growing um massively and changing all the time but that period in particular i feel like the last couple of years it's kind of settled into a bit of a groove and maybe like maybe vr will, will shift that again but those kind of the preceding sort of 10 15 years it was everything was changing all the time you know
1: yeah, it was a really interesting period i mean i mentioned esports before one of the things about esports now is there's this there's a large there's kind of this it still strives for acceptance um and esports fans still strive for esports acceptance, and and that's interesting to me because I think it's like I I look at it as completely irrelevant because I went through the years of gaming striving for any kind of absolutely acceptance yes. and and it just happened and it was a generational thing you know we we went from uh, the equivalent of video nasties and and you know politicians like Keith Faz, uh, schadenfreude, absolutely um, you know uh, g- trying to get us get everything thrown in the bin for for, for years and years. Um, to just people who'd grown up playing games having positions of power and not really and it just being fine because it is um it's just part of the cultural landscape so um but yeah that was that was a huge backdrop to it the the jack thompson years and that kind of thing uh i once talked to that guy on the phone he's an absolute maniac um (laughs) really really crazy guy Um, are
0: they still making a movie about that i i I recall they were doing a movie uh, about him him
1: versus somebody I have no idea. I, I don't think I don't think Jack Thompson's interesting enough to be honest. I mean, he, he um, The thing about Jack Thompson is, uh, and, and people like him is, you want that guy to be your enemy because if that's the bad, if that's the other side of the debate, then you, you're going to be fine. Um, mad mad people being your 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 kind of your opposition is, is often is is fine. It's the it's the ones who are who are actually very smooth and build connections and and rapport and stuff like that. Those are the ones that you want to worry about. Um, but so that was that was a big big component of that period um and i guess it was it was very much the console wars that was kind of because xbox had just come on the scene uh nintendo was still being taken semi-seriously when they said the next console would have good third-party relations uh sony was still relatively new but but at this point you know pretty dominant um so it was this three-way debate uh you know who who would prevail and it and that colored everyone's coverage of everything really um,
0: it was the BBC movie that was what I was thinking of I just oh. did a quick search for it. Is that BBC GTA movie it had uh, Jack Thompson as oh yeah I never characters. saw that neither did, you did see I. That any- apparently yeah. it was quite bad um, yeah I,
1: can't, I can easily imagine that's yeah. something nice actually that because one of the things that was characteristic of when I grew up in games and games media in the very very early years was you could still wrap your head around everything at that point there was only so much going on so you, with a couple of like a staff of two or three people you could cover the whole of gaming yeah yeah Which is such a hilarious concept. This is a really kind of
0: depressing theme that's run through the show because everyone is kind of relatively a similar sort of age. There is that you know the exponential increase in things, like not just games, but for the context of the show, especially games. It's impossible to keep track of everything anymore. And
1: that's a good thing, right? Like the the bounteous variety, but it is also if you've grown up in a world that playing games that encourage you to try to control everything. And the world of games is something you feel you can intellectually control all of. <laughs> to suddenly be thrust absolutely, into this yeah. world where you have absolutely no hope of keeping track of everything—that's
0: a really interesting way to put it. Actually, I've not thought about that because they do kind of condition you for that kind of mental oh, yeah. space that you're now na- unable to fulfil.
1: Yes, we're we're all weak and feeble, like we're we're all stardust now. Whereas at <laughs> the time we were the we were the stars.
0: <laughs> so what else? Um, in, in in your time like in Eurogame what were the sort of standout games that came sort of later
1: uh, so uh, let me think so right towards the end would definitely have been Destiny uh, and I could do a whole podcast on Destiny um, but um, why Destiny so, do you think?
0: was that your first kind of MMO experience? Or, you yeah, know, vaguely it, it, MMO?
1: I uh, I mean, I I, I definitely, uh, it was the first MMO that had uh, connected with me in any meaningful way. Um, I like, I mean, I tried World of Warcraft a couple of times. I bounced off it. I don't know what it was that that I didn't take to. Yeah. I think Destiny works better as a solo game as well. You can, I I spent hours and hours with my infant son asleep on my chest, just doing um, patrol missions in the Cosmodrome and that kind of thing, you know, grinding materials, that sort of stuff.
0: Um, I think that will be this generation's. Like, what did you do in the war? It's like, what did you do? Yeah, yeah. And I was uh, the amount of people that I know who played Destiny with their their children in their laps, or yeah. they're running patrols I, on on I, Mars I, or something.
1: I, I racked up seven hundred hours of Destiny. Jeez, in, um, in about a year and a half. Yeah, it's it's.
0: I'm saying that I have no idea what my <laughs> clock count is. I'm sure it is in well into the hundreds of
1: hours. It's it's a wonderful game. I, I max leveled uh, at the point that. Um, uh taken king came out i had three max level characters just about no two two and i had a third i the third i did up with the taken king um and i haven't actually maxed any of them on um on Taken king or the recent patches because i just kind of ran out of steam for it but unbelievable that game i i i absolutely agree with loads of people who don't like it you, you know it's it's got its flaws for sure but so i so many precious gaming moments in that just like jumping into uh a patrol on the moon and staring up at that that sky which is just the perfect oh, the, the best skyboxes ever yeah. it's it's incredible um you can probably hear my son actually through, <laughs> through the door he's just on his way to bed he has all um, these
0: memories of, of destiny that you're bringing up we're <laughs> talking about it.
1: yeah 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 uh but yeah destiny and i didn't expect to like destiny at all um i i wasn't a huge halo fan um I liked it, but you know, it wasn't the be-all and end-all to me. Um, and I'd never really been taken in by any MMOs, um, so it was a quite a surprise uh, that that I just wanted to play nothing but this game.
0: Yeah, and I came was... to it like super late through this show. In fact, like really? I, I never because I because ne- I, I purposefully avoided MMOs because I know the type of personality I have, I would get locked in and things would yeah. go wrong. Uh, so <laughs> I never had, and Destiny was like. It was very light MMO, but even still, I was like, I don't know, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm into that. And then I can't remember who I was talking to. One of the early shows, anyway. uh, They were really evangelizing how brilliant Destiny was. I'll give it a go. And then that was me for the next year, pretty much. Yeah, it was the best. And I I think I got it at the perfect point because it was like very in very quick succession, all the DLC came out. So you had the House of Wolves, and then House of Wolves was really
1: good. Yeah, Taken King though. I think the Taken King is is probably my favorite the 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 couple of the first couple of days of the taken king is probably my favorite gaming memory of the last uh probably like five or six years or something um because i i adore destiny at this point and um i uh my wife who's who's just wonderfully supportive of everything i ever tried to do uh said that if i wanted to take a couple of days off to play it when it came out i could and my and riot encourages that sort of behavior so i took two days off when destiny the taken king came out and just played it um from kind of 10 in the morning until like eight or nine or something um and
0: glory days
1: just, god it was so good because it was just so it was like i know this game so well at this point i know every inch of it you know i've i've been in the vault of glass for dozen like probably longer than i've spent completing entire jrpgs um and uh, yeah to just have this whole completely new you know the, the dreadnought in particular um it's uh you know i, I always liked uh, luke smith's description of it it was the um i'm gonna i can't even remember it now but it's uh they had they had a it was an inscrutable loot filled fortress that's it <laughs> <laughs> that's so good just so so brilliant um that was that was wonderful uh and did but you, yeah you no you did the
0: raid no 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 doubt.
1: Yeah, it took me a very, very long time to start raiding, but uh, but I did, uh, and I did. Um, I've never actually done the Oryx um, hard mode challenge mode
0: no, I'm successfully.
1: Either. I've tried. I've spent hours and hours and hours trying it with my clan, but I I haven't played for month like for weeks or months now, so that's that's kind of fallen away. It but was the uh, first
0: raid I'd ever done, and it was it's one of the best oh. gaming memories of my entire life. It was like every every Tuesday and Thursday for about yeah. a month everyone would get together and we we raid and no spoilers yeah. we had to figure it out ourselves and oh man oh wow you see cuz glorious... I never really had
1: that aspect of it I'm quite impatient and I was always with good groups so it was alright. it was okay but and there were some yeah. really oh,
0: yeah. horrific nights where we would just make zero progress that the bloody yeah. the maze you know where you, you go oh, in yeah. and you have to hit the sort of the four switches thing in order oh that was like a week of just look, was, this is this is heartbreaking
1: that bit does suck um that raid is is fantastic. Though. Oh, it's it amazing! Just so big. Like after um, uh, the Dark Below's raid, it was incredible um, to uh, to have something. Uh, you know, compared to Crota's End, because Crota's End is 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 good. I like Crota's End. I think it's it's much maligned, but it is good. But um, no, the the Taken King raid is incredible.
0: Oh, do you know? Um, I wasn't that excited about the new expansion, and they chatting about it. I'm getting quite uh, quite excited.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm 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 a bit. Um, I mean, I've pre-ordered it obviously because. Uh, I mean, if nothing else, those people deserve more of my money. But um, it's, uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a House of wolves style thing rather than, I mean, I, I feel like at this stage... But there is a raid, though. That, that's what I'm most excited about. There's a new that's raid. True. But I look at it this way. I, I think Destiny-based game, flawed gem. Dark Below, bit crap. House of Wolves, much better. Taken King, amazing. This is going to be, this isn't going to be taken king plus two right it's going to be house of wolves style so it doesn't it'll be destiny two. yeah i know now that 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 i i, I will seriously set some side, time aside for <laughs> gosh but yeah no so Eurogame years big games um it was the xbox 360 period uh it was um i'm trying to think what would have been a sort of defining game in that period i was I had this great Nintendo fixation as a, as a kid, obviously we, we talked about, but it, it, it wasn't so much that at that point. I think I'd kind of gone away from it a little bit. There were a couple of, of moments here and there. Um, the Animal Crossing 3DS game was, um, uh, was a particular, like, it was one of those spikes of Nintendo love. Oh, um, yeah. But, because uh, I'd never really, I mean, I'd played Animal Crossing, but I'd never really clicked with Animal Crossing prior to that game. And I spent... You know, dozens of hours playing that with my wife, and, and I think also the fact that my wife liked it helped. She she played it for like five times as much as me, but <laughs> uh, which is kind of very unusual because she's not a huge gamer. But she she I think she racked up like one hundred and twenty seven hours uh, of of Animal Crossing three DS, um, something crazy like that.
0: It's a special um, game.
1: It really, really is. Those no, three that- DS
0: games, like I just moved to Glasgow and it was just me and my girlfriend i didn't know anyone else so the fact that it was online as well and i could play mario kart and animal crossing and still yeah. interact with people uh, are amazing
1: i mean that period of time for me is is um typified by playing lots of stuff rather than just yeah because i had to you know it was my job i had to play everything i had to have knowledge of everything i mean these days i've barely i you know i, I keep i keep up with the things i want to keep up with you know i've got a backlog but that must just be a quite freeing
0: though after years and years of just yeah. having to do everything
1: it is it, it it goes back to that thing i was talking about like trying to have complete control um yeah. you, know, you have to give up a bit of that and, and it's been nice to be able to give up a bit of that um like i've never played firewatch which is a game i know i will love at some point when i when i get around to it um and and there are loads of examples like that Hyperlight drifter that don't even know what it is but i know people talk about it really fondly that kind of thing yeah or it's weird
0: because it this... I've got the exact same thing about that, that everyone's like oh that's really good I have
1: absolutely no idea what that game is about yeah. or anything uh, it could be a, it could be a football game as well as <laughs> <I like. laughs> no idea um, but no that period so that the the, um, the games I would have been playing um, certainly between like 2013 and maybe like 12, 12 13 14 was FIFA Ultimate Team years um I played a lot
0: of that. I don't really um, know what that is. I never really played sports oh, games beyond arcade games. NBA, no NBA Street Home Court. I think was the last mm. sports that was, game that I played. That was uh, GameCube right? There was uh, PS three. No, it was Xbox three hundred and sixty. It was the oh, only sorry, kind yeah, of but... street game that came out because I like I like the arcadey ones. I'm, I'm not big into sports games, and yeah, the NBA no, Street games. Oh, I love them, and Home Court so, was the last one. But no, never played a FIFA I, game
1: yeah i mean i mean fifa is at this point i know people like um pro evolution a lot but i think fifa's the more um, uh rewarding long-term investment of your time um if you're into football games i don't care if you disagree with me on that you can it's obviously your prerogative um i'm not you i'm talking to your listeners at this point <laughs> um, but, and, and there are no wrong answers um but uh, ultimate team was was it was wonderful because it was um uh, it was the persistent mode that that sort of game where you play it every day needed. Um, you uh, you start off with very little and through trading and opening packs and stuff like that, you end up building out this squad. And there are particular um, uh, like mechanics that dictate how well the players in your squad will play together and that sort of stuff. So it's about kind of min-maxing your squad through a mixture of spending real money on packs and and earning stuff and trading and playing the game um and if you're into football and you can't stop playing fifa it's it's a wonderful thing it was also um it were it, the youtube community around it hellacious though some of those individuals are um was very compelling there are a few if you found a good youtuber who you liked who would do videos of stuff you'd see them playing with these players you'd never get and that kind of thing and that was that sustained it as well yeah um it was a bit like if you know if if crack was actually a thing that made you look glamorous and you'd see people with the best crack and you'd be like oh i don't have crack that's quite that good but i'm gonna have some of my crack right now um yeah so i did that for a very long time um it's funny actually like i i posted a screenshot on twitter a little while ago Uh, i dug out um when i was setting up the loot cave. um i dug out um my old 360 games to file them away in the in the TV bench and, and I found FIFA 13 so I sort of plugged in and I was having a and I realized I was having a retro gaming binge on FIFA 13
0: ultimately
1: <laughs> 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 the service for which are still up which is which is pretty cool um and you can still get a game I, I played a few matches
0: That's amazing is the, yeah. I mean it probably is quite still a, a kind of a big community for that I and mean, not not big but relatively for you know a 3 year old game
1: Yeah I I mean you know uh, the the matchmaking time is probably uh, like one to five minutes per match, um, which considering that it also matchmakes you based on skill is crazy good, really. Yes. Yeah, um, uh, I mean, you know, I know what's the, how, how crazy matchmaking can get having worked around League of Legends. But so, yeah, like the fact that that stuff still works is, is pretty awesome. And also, I still had my squad from back then. So I was like, wow, you know, all of these players who've retired and stuff. <laughs> uh, like, A oh, squad God.
0: full of commentators.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, kind of, yeah, yeah. And, and and players who, in modern iteration of FIFA, would be completely unattainable due to their uh, the, the transfers. Like, like, I have Gareth Bale in my FIFA 13 squad, <laughs> um, who's now, you know, you would never be able to get him now. Um, yeah, that would, that would definitely, and, and you mentioned Hearthstone. That was also, towards the end, a really, really big... Part
0: of uh, my day to you're a gamer. Oh, it's, it's amazing. Uh, like I, that is the the first game that I've really consistently uh, watched online as well. I find it very relaxing. Yes. I watch Twi- a lot of streamers. No, not not Twitch. Never Twitch for some reason. Really? I was. I, I don't know why. It's always the YouTube channels. I'll just go and watch like the highlighted games. I would never sit and watch uh, someone yeah. stream. I, I, don't, I don't know why that is, but I just that's so you watch a thing. you watch
1: competitive matches with with casting and stuff.
0: Yeah, so I'll go. YouTube. I'll, I'll ah. go to specific streamers' YouTube pages that are like. And actually, yeah. I'll, I'll only ever watch
1: Twitch if there, if there's a, a tournament. I'll watch the the tournaments live. That's interesting. A lot of because I mean, I my experience of Twitch and and the the relationships with between like Twitch and YouTube and competitive gaming, uh, like I I have the I, I kind of go between them like in an in an evening if i'm not really doing anything if like my wife's gone to yoga or something um, i might just throw on twitch and watch cutie pie or night blue or someone playing league of legends one of these guys who have a personality that i can kind of connect with yeah cutie pie is is, is a wonderful streamer because he's just he's got this drawl and he's you know and it, like he's not uh, he's not that offensive he's funny he's so funny and um he, uh, like, all of his, whenever you see a subscription thing pop up with someone pledging him money, it's always $4.20. Um, <laughs> he's got really long hair, and he's always, like, eating cereal or soup or something. I love him. Um, but, so I like that, you know, and I can throw that on and have a glass of wine at the end of a stressful day, and that's fun.
0: But yeah, I also, absolutely. you know, I
1: love watching the broadcasts for the, for the eSports tournaments. Um, and, yeah, I can definitely relate to the whole, like, I really love watching watching really high-level play, um, oh, wow. And uh, it's it, it with Hearthstone in particular. Even if it's competitive, it's relaxing, right? Oh, because totally. It's the most relaxing game ever. And just The <laughs> even pace though... of it is is beautiful. Yeah. So, can I, uh, so I'm curious um, because this is the, I want to get back into Hearthstone. Yes. Um You're playing it now, right? Yeah. Okay. So I I stopped playing after. What was the first expansion? Naxxramas was Naxxramas. Yes, Naxxramas. So I, I basically stopped playing then. Oh, I didn't Man, it's really so much do. better now. This is the thing. I, I'm sure it is. Blackrock Mountain. What's the new one called?
0: The new one is the One, oh, Night, the, in the one Cara, Night in Karazhan.
1: Cara. Yeah. So they had that, the grand thingy. The grand, the grand tournament. tournament. The Indiana Jones one. Yeah. Was that. Uh, so the, the, this, all this stuff has happened.
0: League and of Explorers. I, I, that was that. Yeah.
1: One. So when I load up the game now, I have no idea what to do. I mean, I, I, I kind of, I feel like I should probably just net deck a deck based on the cards I have, but I don't even really know how to do that now because everyone has every, like all of these cards from these expansions that but I just don't they, have.
0: They've changed it now, so they have the the standard. Or I don't know if yeah. it's called standard. So like ramus and the robots one. What was it, Mech's and Goblin? Goblin.
1: It's like four or five expansions. Yeah, they're, now they're
0: all them. gone. They're all out of rotation, so you can't use any of those cards. You can use them in Wild, but nobody plays Wild. Okay. Because Wild but is like can... everything, if you want.
1: Yeah, but you can. But even so, like the current set, it's like presumably it's the base stuff plus one or two expansions, or is it just the latest one? Um,
0: no, the standard set is is just the base set, and I think when they sort is of is it really okay? And and when when they did the uh, when they changed it so they were doing the sort of two year cycle of of this is the standard kind of set at the moment, you were given a bunch of the old guards cards. As well, okay. you get like about twelve of those. So you get like one legendary, the the oh, what's it called, Cthulhu? Everybody gets yeah. a Cthune. Um and then yeah, and then you play through the the tournaments or the, okay. the the single player stuff to get other new cards, or just buy decks if you want.
1: Yeah, I I think I just need to binge on it for maybe a couple of days at some point. Not that yeah, it doesn't take it doesn't take but long. Yeah, and I say I, that I, I've
0: never really left so
1: yeah I, I as a lapsed player to use the vernacular um i going back to it is, is it, it feels tough when i go in like i played a match the other day and i had got a deck off of like metabomb or some website and i'd uh, and i'd had to fill in blanks because i didn't have some of the cards and i got stuffed by somebody with a bunch of stuff i'd never seen before it's like
0: but hmm. one of the one of the perks of the fact they've done the rotation is you can go back and kind of just disenchant like dust loads of the old cards that you know you can't use Uh, anymore and build up a brand new deck
1: that's cool i might try that that's that's a good that's a hot tip you see i because i'm what i'm looking for and i haven't actually bothered to look for this in any real detail because i you know it's not that it's not like i'm losing sleep over this problem but um (laughs) (laughs) there's someone somewhere needs to write a how to get back into hearthstone guide because being a lapsed player of a service-based game is a big problem because you lose so much context that you really, really need. Um, you know, I played a game of League with someone the other day who uh, admitted in chat that he hadn't played for two years, and this was his first game back, and he was terrible. He, he didn't know so much stuff. He didn't recognize a bunch of the champions, his, his positioning was terrible, you know, he's very rusty. And, I you know, I looked after him, but it's, it's hard <laughs> getting back into these things um so yeah you know games journalists who've who've listened to an hour and a half of me rambling and, <laughs> and want want something to do <laughs> there's, there's a that. there's a there's a job you, can you write that for me please
0: um let's do a couple of quick fire questions then tom relatively okay. quick fire they're never that quick fire um if you can if if you are prone to these kind of
1: outbursts what was your worst rage quit huh mm, i'm not really i mean what i tend to do is um Because I I played a lot of FIFA where rage quitting is very common and and it's frowned upon, not least by the game, which, you know, penalizes you for it. But uh, so my my experience of rage quitting is basically you don't rage quit. um, You you internalize the pain and then just (laughs) go to sleep feeling really bad. Um, Like I I remember one particular game of FIFA. uh, I can't remember what year it was. uh, and I was playing at the end of the day. and I must have been I must have stopped. Never play FIFA angry unless you're going to win. Like because it just exacerbates things. Um, and I must have started in a bad mood. And, and I FIFA has this thing. See, you wanted it to be fire, and it just won't be. No, um, no it's fine. The, the FIFA has this thing that there's this theory, which is not... I don't think it's true because I've talked to the developers. I actually did some consultancy on FIFA and talked to them about this. And they say it's not true. But there's this theory that at the end of the game, there is scripting that makes goals happen like in the last few minutes to make it exciting okay I think it's actually a quirk of the stamina system everyone just gets so crap that stuff starts working
0: because
1: but anyway um, so uh, this i was playing this game and i was winning or something probably one nil and, and and at the end of the game i just i just wanted to i want to win I've, I've ground this out and then this guy scores of course like the 90th minute or something and he just sort of runs to the near touchline like windmilling his arms you know uh, <laughs> and and then he sends and this was in the days when you couldn't turn off like um messages from people you didn't know so he just sent me a message going lol noob <sighs> and and then, of course, I just like, right, screw it. I'm in, I'm in seasons mode, so a draw is a draw. I'll take a draw. And, of course, he gets the ball off me by the corner flag, punts it up the other end and scores again. Q, massively excessive celebrations running around in circles in front of the camera. <laughs> more, more PSN messages. Lol, lol, lol. I mean, that was pretty bad.
0: <laughs> and yet you, <laughs> re- you retained your bad. composure. You internalised <laughs> no, it. You drove it deep down inside and went to bed. Well,
1: well yeah absolutely i want i I think what what I did was I saved it up, knowing it would be a good podcast anecdote um, <laughs> no i i I think I probably wished very, very ill things upon that person, but didn't actually express them um, because
0: you didn't uh, respond I, to any of the messages or anything
1: no i i if I ever do, I tend to just say thing I, I tend to assume the other person is twelve and just say, "Grow up, go do your homework," that kind of thing um, which I try to think of what is the thing that will pierce them. um see i I
0: don't get that many but when i do and and this is totally probably quite mean um my go-to response which i probably picked up from the internet is just get good like that is always if someone is angry at me i'll just send them get good even if that is then a child
1: that that's an aspirational message to give to them yeah just in life in
0: general just get
1: good be better my favorite my favorite one of those is is from the west wing um is um uh, do you, you watch The West Wing? I have never watched The West Wing. <gasps> I know, I know, I know. No, no, no. This no. I'm I'm excited for you. This, this is that. There's dozens of hours of happiness yeah, ahead of I've you. I've tried, <laughs> and it is. I'm at that stage now where
0: this. is again. This is another one of these perils of so much content. I'm looking mm. at you know hundred odd episodes on oh, Netflix. T- it's like you no. You don't
1: need to, you, you only need to watch like series one and two or do. Like three and four are great, but but the second series is where it's at. Anyway so but there's there's this particular bit where um the vice president this guy called hoines has pulled off some clever political maneuver that has out outfoxed the bartlett presidential um like white house staff and his uh, deputy chief of staff josh lyman goes into um the uh, goes into hoines office to sort of confront him and says you know you did x y and z and hoines just says josh welcome to the nfl <laughs> So good, so good. Uh, yeah, no. I, so, so saying welcome to the NFL to people is just an awesome thing. Um, but you know, funny thing about this whole rage quit thing is, um, so when I when you're at Riot, you're encouraged to talk to players to play the game a lot, etc. Uh, obviously, what you don't want to do is be massively toxic towards the uh, the 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 paying customers. Um, you have Riot in your name, etc. And, you know, so you have to be disciplined because we're grownups, right? Yeah. But it's pretty hard sometimes. <laughs> League of Legends is a big commitment and people can be can be absolute asses. Um, and I, and I, I haven't, like, gone nuts since I've left, but I've maybe loosened my behavior a little bit around that. I don't have Riot in my name anymore in the game. <laughs> uh, and I was playing a ranked match yesterday. Um, a ranked League of Legends is where the toxicity reputation comes from um and uh this guy on my team so yeah on my team right he he started off uh complaining because the jungler on our team hadn't given him a particular buff that respawns at different intervals and he was like whatever i'm afk are you kidding me this is like this is a serious it's a ranked match this is like a 45 minutes potentially of helping me level up or not in this game and you're just going to like petulantly not play now because you didn't get a blue buff after five minutes and and he just he just started flaming everyone, and oh man, I was so annoyed with him. It's just like we're gonna win, we're doing well. So I just, I actually just started like quizzing him. It's like, are you ten? Like what what's is, what is wrong with you? How old are you? How old are you? And he was like, I just wanted my blue. And I'm like, dude, hot tip, it respawns. Um, you know, can you come and play? Like, would you calling calling Varus? Would you like to come play League of Legends in mid lane? We're having a fight. Um, and he just kept being really annoying. Um. He's like, I'm just going to go and farm. We should end. We should. We should surrender. It's like, no, we're going to win. Um, and I just, I kind of lost it. <laughs> I didn't start flaming him, but just he, he was just jabbering away and picking on other people. And so every time he typed something, I would just type back, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> this is and i have to say this is a very effective strategy because it really it really shut him down he just kept like he would tell it's like like uh you know we're gonna need vision you know if you actually want to wow 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 <laughs> you know I, yeah, I i you know i'm just gonna go for, wow 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 i feel i feel bad about it but i don't did you win yeah we won
0: <laughs> oh brilliant see you always say it
1: he started joining in as well because as soon as you actually start getting some kills and fighting and stuff he's like oh you know and I said uh oh it's nice nice that you've decided to join us again and he was like yeah I got bored (laughs) uh so yeah I don't rage quit but apparently I do like to um torment people but that's good
0: you got you got got him back into the game you got him playing that's that's the goal
1: yeah I mean like Mourinho um but for League of Legends
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm laughing I don't get that joke I don't watch football I know who he is though so it's fine (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I get I get the vague context of it. Um, okay, uh, what, um, what game have you? Well, not not uh, we've already kind of covered that a little bit actually. What game are you best at? On a Ooh. similar sort of topic, like if you had to, you know, play a game with death, so to speak.
1: Hmm, there are a few games I've been good at over the years. I mean, I would say probably at this point, League of Legends. Um, I'm I'm silver. Uh, I was silver three last season. I'm probably silver five maybe at this point. Um, I'm, I'm quite good at it. I just I just know a lot about the champions and the macro play, how to play around the map, that kind of thing. I know what to do in a lot of... Like League of Legends, the key to League of Legends is making good decisions um, based on the situation you're in. Um, and I get better at that all the time. So probably that. Um, but uh, I mean, I'm also pretty good at stuff like trials... I'm nowhere near as good as my friend jason killingsworth who is, is a fiend have you completed it on like all the no. tracks no, no 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 but uh dark souls i'm very good at um i am uh, through sheer brute force and min maxing like i i understand how those games work so well now that they are no problem for me yeah um uh so it's probably those and then um uh like the original quake weirdly um I loved that game. That was, that was one of my formative games. Definitely. You could look up. Um, yeah. I mean, no, the, the, so the thing about a Quake versus Duke Nukem 3D is Duke Nukem 3D is not 3D. It is, it is a good game. Don't get me wrong, but, that it's a it's a 2D game that has trickery, whereas Quake is a proper 3D world. And I felt very like zealous about this at the time, um, and and I I still do actually apparently. Um, <laughs> but I, I know I loved the physics and the physicality and the verticality of, of that game and the, and the absolute sense of space. Um, and I'm good at speed running it and I'm good at um, the original deathmatch. I never liked Quake 2 onwards for deathmatch because I suck with the railgun.
0: I don't think I ever played them deathmatch. I was Quake. To oh, really? me, was always a single player game. It was that's... Unreal. Was was the multiplayer.
1: Yeah, and it, and it's great. It's great for that actually because like Quake is one of those games that uh, is has an, a wonderful single player. I mean, the first episode's the best, definitely. But you know, and that's where all the good stuff is. But um, what a what an episode! Oh, that's know? amazing. And and um, some of those level designs are, are immaculate. And the, de- the actually the, the multiplayer in that is I think probably my favourite. If you said to me, do you, what what deathmatch game do you want to play? I would definitely always say Quake. Um, the rocket the rocket launcher is perfect in that game. Um, yeah, and it still so, looks really
0: good as well. Like it's just designed so well. I think it's, it's weird how up.
1: something so brown and grey can be so beautiful. Really, but it is. is yeah. It totally is. It's it's that perfect like the the blend of the sci-fi and the um like obviously lovecraftian um is is really well done in that game it has a wonderful aesthetic it bothers me so much that uh, as much as i love id software that all they will do is remake the wrong quake games from my perspective <laughs> it's like oh quake quake so here's here's quake 4 which is kind of quake 2 2 no don't do that stop that here's quake champions which is Quake three reason no stop that just make yeah. quake again
0: maybe Take one me day. back through
1: the slip gates
0: <laughs> um what game Tom has made you laugh the most or made you laugh hmm. full stop because it's a very rare thing in games.
1: Um, it is. I mean, that's, I, 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 I would struggle to think it like there are definitely games that, have, that I have laughed that where that, that was their intention. But um, I, I think most of the, the laughs I get from games are unintentional or are things that are a, a part of the emergent like, aspects of what I'm doing in them. Um, like uh, my wife doesn't play games, but we like um, like hanging out where she's like knitting or whatever. And I'm I'm and that's not just me being weird and sexy. She likes knitting and um, I'm playing a game. Um, and I like doing I like games where I can be silly and experimental in front of her and chat about it. So I've been enjoying playing Deus Ex at the moment and going around the hub world trying to break into places. Uh, and like a good example of this something that made me laugh made us laugh a lot the other day was my harebrained attempts to break into apartments when I don't have much uh, hacking or uh, rebreathing or anything to get through vents with with gas so I'm basically creating massive piles of, of bins in the middle of the street <laughs> to try to climb up to balconies um, while like cops with the rifles wander around because everyone's on terrorism alert that super and there's, stealth. This, there's this guy in a trench coat and shades making a pile of wheelie bins. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. This stuff's wonderful. I love games for that because games take themselves very seriously, but actually they're stupid. Oh, totally. I mean,
0: that—that is, I think, the the most kind of, definitely for me that I've got the most sort of laughter and joy out of games because of weird things like that, like. And, and glitches, obviously, glitches are the greatest. Glitches,
1: yeah. I mean, I, I was just thinking of. I, I love um, one of my favourite periods of FIFA was just after they introduced something called the impact engine, okay, which uh, which modelled um, the actual collisions of players uh, in in a realistic way. So, and and in a game where players like well, like human beings are running at each other, sprinting at each other all the time. When you haven't finished that engine and you're shipping your game, oh, it's hilarious. You can find some astonishing gifs online of of on uh, vines and stuff of players just bouncing off each other and flying in directions and all sorts of stuff. And uh, the other thing, the other thing that was great about it was was of course in, in real life slide tackling, like going along the ground to try to take the ball off somebody, is something people do in rare you know rare circumstances. In FIFA, people do it all the time, constantly. Uh, whether they're going to get the ball or not because there's no you know the repercussion is like you get an in-game yellow card or something so add vicious high-speed scything tackles coming in at knee height to realistically rendered human body interaction (laughs) (laughs) with bugs and it's just spectacular you've got people like yo-yoing around and things like that absolutely (laughs) hilarious that's the rest of my evening sort. <laughs> to go and go and search for impact engine glitches for fifa it's so funny <laughs> um
0: i think we've covered all sorts of good stuff i, I be, don't yeah. want to take you take you uh, too long is there anything that hasn't come up that you wanted to mention
1: hmm um we didn't talk about dark souls that much i mean uh, dark souls is the thing where i've spent probably hundreds of hours over the last year playing having not really ever uh like I, I always wanted to get into it and tried and failed and um it's only been over the last sort of year or so that i've gotten actually really good at it oh really so um, this is
0: like one of your kind of luxury games that now you have time i, I can get into these a little
1: bit yeah i got so i um i tend to fixate on stuff and really really dig deep into it yeah um and and definitely this has been my obsession for uh, for a while uh, i've kind of come out the back of it now because i finished Dark Souls three uh, and and I, Bloodborne isn't really for me. I find it too scary. Um, oh but,
0: really? I think Bloodborne's yeah, might be my favourite.
1: I can't I can't handle it. I, I I made it about halfway through twice and I just I can't. I mean the the lack of a shield and the the genuinely horrible
0: oh yeah no, <laughs> it's horrific. um
1: But no, uh, the Dark Souls games I've I've rinsed completely. Um, the funny enough the thing that made me good at them was understanding weapon scaling um which i never did understand how do you um, mean so the you know putting like if you if you if you've got a weapon that you you like understanding which attributes to upgrade when you level up so that ah, it okay. will increase the, the the damage output or whatever i never quite understood what all those little icons and letters and numbers and stuff meant so i'd just be throwing points into strength Not realizing that actually if i'd thrown them into decks i would be getting more damage output and just being able to understand like be ahead of the curve on that as well as a patient play style has made me really really lethal um that that kind of
0: switch points in a dark souls game when suddenly you're stronger than everyone is oh it's glorious
1: oh yeah it's it's great i mean i didn't i was really worried it wasn't going to happen in three because the first like the the first few sections of it are, are kind of misleading it makes you feel like it's going to be really viciously fast and you're not going to get ahead of it. But then it just sort of unfolds in the same way, you know, like I get my halberd, I start putting points into it, I'm cautious, um, get the mid roll and, and, and whatever, understand the relationship between, um, I like understand that they've kind of knackered poise. So basically just don't take any hits. Yeah, And, you know, at, at that point it was kind of game over for the whole of, 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 um, Lothric. <laughs> Everyone was going to die after that. Um. But no, that's a great series. I think if um uh, if there was one thing that would have been missing from this discussion it was it was my getting into that series.
0: Uh, that was that was great Tom. I really enjoyed that. Oh, hey How, you, how, no, how are you? Fun. Have you had a nice chat?
1: Yeah, I uh, no, it's been nice going over stuff. Um you've made me think through some things about uh, my gaming past that I'd not really not really thought about reading really oh, for actually so yeah, it has been fun.
0: And I'm also now excited about Destiny again, which is which is good. Yeah, go look, that go look up the, if you look take look one out.
1: thing from this chat though go look up impact engine bugs
0: oh, I've already made a note <laughs> of that. that, that's on my list I've good got stuff. a tab opened in my browser ready to go <laughs> good shot
1: you it. good shot kid.
0: He's never got the power and his spell to move any mother that gets in the way. Just another power machine or on the freeway. Riding with me, there's my MC, whole boy. Knowing the rules ain't
1: part of his program. Finding the right way around this map might be pretty hard because he's fucked on crack.
0: G. grab auto. You gotta make a mark and move where you want to. that. To steal what you can and run from the nation Hey, hey, what do you say? The automated secret to speed from our getaway Take it to the edge, there's nowhere to hide and call up the boy Let's go for the joy line Let's go for the joy ride, Let's go for the joy ride.